Welcome to The Conversation. This podcast is produced by QSource as part of Medicare's quality improvement organization efforts to share information, educate clinical staff, and encourage improvement through best practices. Each episode discusses a topic that is timely and applicable to you, your staff, and your patients. In this episode, the conversation is about the Living Longer, Living Better Guide for Area Agencies on Aging. We break from our regular format of host Kathy Ray leading the conversation to that of our guest moderator, Dr. Joanne Burke. She brings together Kristen LaAce, CEO of Indiana Association of Area Agencies, and Dr. Katie Ellman, Professor of Gerontology Health Services Program for the University of Southern Indiana, to share their experience with using the guide and discusses how their organization is working together to make a difference. This is the fourth in a four-part series. All right, we want to welcome our audience back to their series of podcasts featuring Dr. Joanne Burke and her guest today, um, the Indiana Commission on Aging's Living Longer, Living Better Guide conversation. Today, we are focused on the primary health care settings, acute care settings, and what that can look like for families in the community. Um, to stay home longer instead of looking at institutional care. But quickly as a review for our listeners, um, we want you to be able to access the prior podcast that Dr. Joanne has put together with us. Um, She has had conversations with Area Agency on Aging and Senior Centers, Faith-Based Organizations, Skilled Nursing Facilities, Institutes for Excellence in Memory Care and Dementia Friends, So all of those podcasts are on our website, www.qsource.org. So to get the conversation started today, we welcome back Dr. Joanne Burke, and we would like for her to introduce herself and introduce her guest today. Hello. Hi, everyone. It's uh, so good to continue our conversations about some really uh, important issues that are happening in Indiana right now. Actually, it's a very exciting time to be uh, taking a look at what we're doing in Indiana that impacts older adults. We have some long overdue changes that are needed. And so we are attempting to really focus in on how we can at various levels in Indiana be involved in all of this. And we're, we're really looking at local communities and how they can uh, begin to initiate more age and dementia friendly uh, approaches within the communities to help with some of the changes that we're having in the state of Indiana right now. So today we are going to take a look, we're going to focus on the significant role of area agencies on aging in Indiana communities and we're going to hear some exciting approaches that are happening uh, within the purview of the area agencies on aging and in healthcare settings. So today I have, uh, as people that will be involved today in our conversation, I have Kristen LaAce, who is the CEO of the Indiana Association of Area Agencies on Aging. 
And we have Dr. Katie Elman, who's professor of gerontology at University of Southern Indiana in Evansville and is director of the Center for Healthy Aging and Wellness. And they have a grant, a Geriatric Enhancement Workforce Grant, and uh, they have been doing some very innovative work with the area agencies on aging in primary care settings and clinics uh, within that program. So she'll be talking about some of that as well as some other um, uh, things that they are doing within the Center for Healthy Aging and, and Wellness approach. So um, we'll be hearing from them. I'd like to start off by, by talking a little bit about some of the changes that are happening in Indiana, and then we'll ask Kristen and Katie to get in the conversation along with me. So um, transformation of services provided to older adults in Indiana who need assistance with daily living and meet qualifications for Medicaid is well in process right now. This is being driven both by cost and by COVID. By 2024, the state's target is that 75% of those who meet nursing home level of care and qualify for Medicaid will receive services in home and community-based settings. Currently, over 60% of nursing home beds in Indiana are funded by Medicaid. Thus, Indiana is actually deinstitutionalizing the care of older adults who qualify for Medicaid and meet nursing home level of care. This is being done by changing to a managed care system instead of a fee-for-service system of payment. Now, half the states have already made this type of change. The challenge, however, for Indiana local communities is that we do not have adequate numbers of home and community-based services because we have been so heavily dependent on nursing home care. Families will be expected to provide more care for their loved ones as we move to this model. Local communities need to examine their zoning ordinances as more older adults will be living with their adult children. Adult day services will be needed for older adults who need assistance with activities of daily living while their families are at work. And more personal care assistance will be needed to help families provide care at home if their loved one has extensive needs for assistance with daily activities such as bathing. These issues are linked to health equity and social determinants of health. The Living Longer, Living Better guide that we have put together through uh, the Indiana Commission on Aging and about 14 other state organizations who've worked with us encourages local communities to take a grassroots approach to addressing social determinants of health and to increasing age and dementia-friendly initiatives within their communities. Let's talk about ways in which healthcare providers and aging service providers can support older adults who need assistance with daily living and support their family caregivers as we move to more older people living in the community instead of in nursing homes. In this podcast, we will focus on the significant roles that area agencies on aging have that support the health and well-being of older adults across the state. Kristen, we're so happy to have you with us today. And I get lots of questions about what are the area agencies on aging and what do they do and how in the world are they working with healthcare? Could you help us understand that better, please? 
Thanks, Joanne. I'd love to. You know, when somebody first hears the phrase triple A, the first thing that pops into people's mind is roadside car assistance. And they can't even imagine how roads, what roadside car assistance has to do with, with keeping older adults uh, and people with disabilities uh, safe at home, engaged in their communities, enjoying life with their loved ones. But we're the other triple A. And this other triple A is actually a nationwide network of more than 650 organizations that help older adults and people with disabilities live and age safely at home, as opposed to being forced to receive services in a nursing facility or another setting that's not of their choice. So nationally, AAA started uh, being designated across the country in the 1970s. It was a requirement of the Older Americans Act. And states built their systems differently. Some states have one AAA for the whole state if they're small, and some maybe have one for every county. But in Indiana, we've got 15. Uh, the state looked around and found 15 nonprofit mission-driven organizations that were already serving their communities in various ways and enhanced their capacity through Older Americans Act funding and area agency on aging, aging designation to uh, build community capacity to care for older adults and people with disabilities. So we've been around a long time, more than 40 years. And uh, as much as we've been trying and supporting long-term services and supports, social services, social determinants of health in the community. It's really only been about in the last five years or so that healthcare has woken up and said, wow, we've got this great resource out here in the area agencies on aging. And by gosh, they're doing the work that determines about 80% of healthcare outcomes. Why aren't we working more closely with them? And um, that work started uh, maybe kind of way back when, when the Affordable Care Act was first passed because there was some money in Medicare and Medicaid, and it's kind of taken off from there. You know, um, healthcare organizations tend to look at uh, CMS for their leadership and guidance in terms of how those kinds of things should go. And it's really taken off from there. And our Indiana AAAs have been at the forefront, knocking on the doors of healthcare entities, hospitals, primary care practices, insurance companies, saying, hey, work with us. We wanna help you integrate social services and social determinant of health supports and long-term supports into your healthcare practices, because with that synergy, we can dramatically improve healthcare outcomes. Wow, I, that's really powerful. And I, you know, after all my years of practice in healthcare and social services, I just found that healthcare really didn't understand to this day still isn't understanding what area agencies on aging really are doing and the important role they play with social determinants of health. Um, we have some people here from QSource. Would you, uh, uh, like to add something to this conversation about how healthcare is becoming awakened to social determinants of health and working with community-based organizations such as the Area Agencies on Aging? Yes, absolutely, Joanne. Uh, this is Kathy Ray, and I know Kathy Moore is on the 
call as well. And we are very active uh, across Indiana with our, our community coalitions. Uh, we have a total of 10 communities right now um, that will be changing probably sooner than later uh, we'll, as we are growing. But yeah, we absolutely uh, work in collaboration and on projects with Area Agency on Aging, uh, definitely for social determinants of health across across the state. But like you said, Joanne, it's, it's education and awareness to our families. It's letting them know what support services are out there. A lot of them may think they know, um, but technically when you take a deeper dive and look at county by county resources, there's probably a lot more there than they really realized or tapped into. Um, there's churches that are providing support. Um, there's individual businesses. I mean, it, it just depends on the needs of the patient, but you're absolutely right. Uh, we do cross collaboration with all of our area agencies. Kathy Moore, any additional information? No, just that they are very active in our community. And really, I think this is the first time that we've really tapped into that resource and they have been very valuable. Uh, um, even yesterday, we had our um, area agency on aging representatives um, present at our community coalition because the coalition was saying, what services do they provide? Um, and so there is a need for to get that education out so others are aware of what they uh, services that they provide. Hey, Joanne, this is Kristen. Can I hop in and, and just talk a little bit more uh, just to bring it down to the in-home level about what a triple A can do? Because we've been talking kind of broadly about our connection with healthcare, but I don't know if, if people have a good picture of of how a AAA actually works and what they do. So you may uh, run into all of a sudden need to find uh, a love. You have a loved one that's had a healthcare crisis and they've got to come out of the hospital and oh my goodness, they're going to need in-home care of some sorts. Um, maybe they need uh, help bathing or dressing. Maybe they need help preparing food, or maybe they just need a home delivered meal. Maybe they're going to need transportation to and from their doctor's appointments. Uh, maybe they've been diagnosed with dementia and the, you as a caregiver are going to need all kinds of information on how to live and love and care for um, your family member in their home. Imagine all that and imagine your partner and helping you navigate all that exists. It's your local area agency on aging and you only have to pick up the phone and call and just tell them what's going on. And they've got professional counselors there who can answer quick questions or they can go in depth to help you talk through all your options and, and learn about the services that exist and the possibilities there are in your community. If you need assistance from there, and maybe you're of an income level that you need additional support to afford these services, uh, we can help you apply for benefits and programs that can help fund that. And then once we're involved with that, perhaps we can move you into long-term care management so that you've got that long-term partner holding your hand, helping you navigate, checking in with you on a regular basis, but always there when you need to call them if something changes uh, in an instant like it can. So uh, we're available by phone. Uh, now that COVID is, is restrictions are loosening up, we'll actually come to your home and do an in-home assessment 
to help determine what your needs are and what your preferences and what your choices would be about how you receive services. We then take that information back. We help you connect with service providers in the community that can help you meet those needs. And as I mentioned, we can also figure you out how you're going to pay for this, whether from your own resources, your family's resources, or uh, state and public or private uh, donation resources, as the case may be. So um, that's the kind of thing that we're helping people do every day. And um, uh, we really uh, just so in case anybody out there needs to know how to contact their Indiana AAA, we have a website which is www.iaaaa.org. That's I and then four A's.org. You can find your county and then the county will pop up with the AAA that serves it. You can also just call an 800 number that works statewide. It's 800-986-3505. You'll be asked to put in your zip code and you'll be directly routed to the area agency on aging that serves your area. So I hope that gives your listeners a little bit better idea about how intimate we can be involved with you and your daily needs uh, and how we can um, support you to stay at home uh, where we know you want to be and it's the best place uh, for most everybody. Kristen, this is Kathy Ray. I had a quick question. You may have mentioned this, um, but if you didn't, can you tell us a little bit more about the family support that you provide with the caregivers, that extra level of support? Because I know caregiving at home is is a whole different ball game, obviously, than than a, you know maybe in a facility for 30 days and then having to come home. But we we've got several families in our own communities that are struggling trying to get that family to understand <clears throat> the level of support that dad's going to need. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. You know when we think about. Who's going to take care of all these people who need an home services? We know there's a paid workforce out there and they're going through struggles of their own. But the largest workforce for in-home services are unpaid family caregivers. And if we don't support family caregivers, the whole system collapses. And because of that, caregiver support is a priority nationally and for our state through the Older Americans Act and other funding sources. The types of caregiving services uh, can range from just working with a family and having a neutral party talking through with the family what all the needs are and if the family caregivers are available who's going to do what. So there's not a free-for-all in the family um, but you've got a neutral facilitator if that's needed. Once somebody is involved with caregiving, oftentimes that person might need a support group. And so there are group support or individual supports uh, that are available. The person might need respite care. Who's going to come in so that caregiver can have a day off to do just to relax or run the errands they need to run for their own, manage their own lives? Triple A's can help arrange for that. Triple A's around the state are also operating what are called evidence-based caregiver support programs. And those involved evidence-based assessments of the caregiver to look at the caregiver needs specifically. 
How much stress are you going through? What kinds of specific supports do you need? What kind of counseling, mental health, what kind of physical support is needed? And so we can put various service bundles into place to help decrease that stress, to help enable that caregiver to carry on um, uh, in, a, in a healthy way for that caregiver. We must support the health and well-being of our caregivers, um, again, or else the whole system goes down. So uh, we even are starting to have specialized programs around the state for persons that are caring for individuals with dementia, because that creates its own special set of caregiving issues uh, as folks learn to deal with the behaviors and needs that go with dementia. So some of the caregiving supports can be specific to particular diagnoses, and some are just general, the kinds of caregiving um, supports, uh, respite, group support that, uh, that, that any caregiver would need given the situation. This is um, this is Joanne, and I, I, you provide in the AAAs a number of, of services for people. Uh, what's the cost of these services, Kristen? How is this funded? That's an easy question to answer because it's free. The Area Agency on Aging is paid to serve the entire state and the entire community without cost, particularly for information and assistance, for that phone options counseling, and that um, needs assessment. So, um, so that kind of service is available to anybody in the state for free, regardless of their income level. So this is a little bit different. I mean, there's many, many services out there that provide information to families who are seeking uh, some help with figuring out what kind of services they might be able to, to, to get or, or they just confuse. But if you call the Area Agency on Aging, there's no cost to talk with a counselor at the Area Agency on Aging, correct? That is correct. And there's no commissions to anyone for who you refer to and so forth. This is this was set up, as I understand it, by the Older Americans Act in 1965 at the same time that Medicare and Medicaid was established. And these services are available to everyone in the United States through their area agencies on aging information and referral services. That is correct. And you raise a really good point, Joanne. We are non-conflicted services. We do not receive um, payment from service providers to promote their services. We do not receive payment to promote particular insurance programs. We are there as a source of objective, factual information. And our sole goal is to provide that information to you so you can make the best decisions for you and your family, your loved ones possible. I will say that in Indiana, we are all mission driven. So they're all out in the community raising money to support these services. Um, any money raised in the community, the funds that the AAA gains as any kind of revenue get plowed back into the community uh, for additional services. So uh, we're not trying to make a buck on this. <laughs> we are trying to serve more and more and more people as nonprofit organizations. Thank you, Kristen. I um, 
You know, in 1965, we realized in the United States, we were really at a crossroads with what to do with growing numbers of older adults, and, and they weren't able to access uh, adequate health care, insur commercial insurance companies. They were unable to get uh, commercial insurance that was affordable. And so in 1965, we did have very important legislation passed that impacted older adults and their families through establishing Medicare, Medicaid, and the Older Americans Act. One of the aspects that we did not do when we established Medicare was to include long-term services and supports as part of the coverage with, with Medicare. So Medicare only has, has addressed acute health care and has addressed uh, some prescription drug um, coverage, going to the doctor, being in the hospital, some short-term rehab, but nothing long-term is if people need assistance with daily living activities. That is not covered by Medicaid's, Medicare. So we established Medicaid. Well, Medicaid is funded very differently from Medicare. We all pay in. It's a universal program. We all pay in as we work to Medicare. Medicaid, however, is a tax-funded program. And so we have to look at general tax revenues to fund Medicaid. Well, as we get more people that are drawing on Medicaid, we, uh, as we get growing numbers of older adults who need some services. Now, I also want to say Older adults also are great assets to their communities. We have grandparents who are raising grandchildren. We have grand. We have older adults who are doing a lot of mentoring of children. Uh, we have. I mean, older adults are not just liabilities; they're assets in communities. So I want to say that. But also, as we have growing numbers of older adults living longer than ever before, we're going to need some help. Some of us as we go along. And I want to credit, I mean, I spent years working in nursing homes and so forth. We need nursing homes. We're going to need nursing home care. But one of the things that we did, we when we got Medicare and Medicaid established, we ended up seeing that nursing homes were, a lot of money was going into nursing homes with Medicare rehab and then with Medicaid for long-term care. And we kind of found out that we we have these nursing homes, we built them on an old hospital model, and it was not really a place people wanted. It's not a good environment to live in if you don't have to, and uh, people are a lot happier and do a lot better if they can stay at home. And so while we're going through a lot of changes and we're going to have to build our capacity, that is build more home and community-based services, as we have more of us living at home, we can do that, but we also have a number of older people who'd be a lot happier being at home. But I want to credit nursing homes and nursing home care, but we've got to make some changes now. There are just too many of us. There are 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day in the United States. We've never had this many people live this long before. And we're going to have to figure out a different way of doing this. And COVID really brought us to the realization that it's really not working very well to keep relying on nursing home care as long as much as we have been. But we have some workforce issues and we need to learn to do things a little bit differently with our geriatric, that is our older adult uh, caregiver 
workforce than we have been. So it's very exciting. We, we actually have two federally funded geriatric workforce enhancement programs in Indiana. Indiana University has one and our, the University of Southern Indiana in Evansville has one. So we're very happy today to have Dr. Katie Ellman with us who um, is the lead on the, the grant that got the Geriatric Workforce Enhancement Program to the University of Southern Indiana. And uh, Katie, we'd like to hear a bit about about uh, the work you're doing down down in Evansville and with this grant. Great, thanks Joanne. Um, pleased to be here today. Uh, yeah, our Geriatrics Workforce Enhancement Program, our USI project, has allowed us to look at innovative partnerships and new models of care, especially in primary care. And I'll share just a little bit about our new model. I want to recognize our partners in our project. USI works closely, very closely in this project with Deaconess Health Systems and two of our AAAs in Southwest Indiana, Generations, which is out of Vincennes, and then Swarka, which is out of Evansville, Indiana. So really, w when you hear me talk about this model, it's been co-created by the organizations. The model that we've created is rather simple. We're, we're trying to connect the healthcare entity with the social service entity. And we've done this, we're into our, just starting our third year. We've done this by um, inviting a, a case manager from the AAA to be embedded in a primary care office. Um, at Deaconess Health Systems in one of their primary care offices. Um, so when I say embed, I really mean almost a full integration. So that AAA care manager has um, gone through all the necessary uh, trainings to be able to use EPIC, to be able to communicate with the provider and the patient through EPIC so, the com so we can bring things around full circle in that communication chain. Um, we have, we started in the fall of 2019 and we placed one care manager, I say care manager and case manager as one in the same, so my apologies um, on the nomenclature, but we have a AAA case manager. We started in the Deaconess Downtown Clinic in Evansville in the fall of 2019. Then about uh, less than a year later, at the start of year two in July of 2019, we um, worked to embed a case manager in the Petersburg Clinic in, um, in, uh, out of the Vincennes AAA. And then we've just started in uh, the Rio Rockport Clinic. Um, and we have a case manager out of the Evansville Swarka Area Agency embedded in that uh, in that clinic as well. So um, we've learned a lot in the process. We are um, learning across organizations. Uh, there's education that's happening on, on both fronts, right? From the healthcare provider and the clinic staff learning a lot about what the AAAs do and the AAAs learning a lot about what's going on in healthcare. So um, it's mutually beneficial uh, to the different sectors, but also the ultimate hope is that we're improving healthcare for older adults in our communities. So the role of the case manager in the primary care office is to, as you can imagine, offer resources um, to patients that providers identify, um, identify where providers identify needed um, 
needed resources pertaining to social determinants of health and social service, um, long-term care, um, uh, referrals, that sort of thing. Um, so to give you an example of what might happen, a patient might come into a clinic and see a provider. A provider might identify a patient to be at, at fall risk, for example. So that provider could then make a referral to the care manager who might then refer that patient to a evidence-based program that's offered through an area agency on aging. In our example, we would refer them to a program called the Matter of Balance. Um, in other examples, a provider might identify a patient that has um, food insecurity and then might refer that patient to the care manager who would then identify a resource that would be uh, a match for that patient. Um, and then work directly with that patient, either right there in the office or by phone. So those care managers actually have offices in the primary care office. Um, in another example, um, in a workflow that we've developed related to advanced care planning, our uh, providers that we're working with at Deaconess will send a letter to patients who are coming in for um, Medi uh, Medicare wellness visits and the letter will invite a patient to um, to think about have they made decisions about health care if they're no longer able to speak for themselves have they identified a health care representative so starting that thought process through actually snail mail on a letter that arrives at a person's home and then in that letter we invite the the patient to uh, jump on a website called Prepare for Your Care and to begin the process, they follow some uh, videos that will help them think about uh, those types of questions related to um, <clears throat> your goals and, and desires if you're no longer able to speak from your, for yourself in, in healthcare situations. And um, if a person completes the whole program, they can in fact print an advanced directive that they can bring to their provider at their next appointment. And if they don't, that's okay too. When the when the patient sees the provider, the provider asks them about, um, did you receive my letter? Did, were you able to think about this? And at that point, the provider can make a referral to the care manager that can help them walk them through the process right there in, in the office or in a follow-up in a follow-up visit. Um, so we're really excited about the potential of this new shared space. We use the we use that term shared space to talk about um, this new area that we feel like has grown out of the synergy between organizations. So we don't exactly know the potential of this new shared space, and um, we, we do know that we definitely have seen um, referrals that um, are impacting uh, individuals on an individual level are also looking at uh, addressing social determinants of health. The other interesting thing that we're finding in the referrals, because we do collect uh, data on those referrals, it, it, we're finding that um, some referrals or, or, or many referrals are coming from obviously the provider to the care manager in the office and then that care manager is finding that okay this person yeah they need that maybe that one thing that was identified by the provider but 
oh yeah, they also could 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 benefit from other services. And so um, that care manager is able then to connect that person back to Squirka or back to Generations. And they sometimes become a, then a client of uh, a care manager embedded in the AAAs. So we're finding that that was a bit of a surprise to us. We didn't know that that um, that um, sort of relationship would develop, but um, we have the we really have the potential to um, to to let this program emerge, and so we can see where the needs are as we're as we're we continue to grow with the program. And now we're entering our our third year with this. You're doing so much down there with it. I love that term shared space. I just saw my primary care provider this morning and they've done a lot of work with what they're calling integrated care. And by that, they're meaning he is um, the primary care practice has integrated behavioral health in with the uh, primary care practice. And what I'm hearing you talk about is basically what what we're also hearing you're doing is also integrating some of the social services that the AAAs, the area agencies on aging, provide by actually having a care manager uh, available in the primary care office. And I don't know how many people and over all the years come up to me and say, oh, Joanne, what are we going to do with grandma? Or what are we going to do with my dad? And we don't know where to go. We don't know where to start. And uh, this would be wonderful because it would be right there. And that's often it's often in a primary care setting or in an emergency department in a hospital where people have questions and needs. And what we've lacked, it seems to me, is the connection, the shared space. I love that idea between healthcare and the healthcare provider and these, these resources that an area agency on aging can provide. And I want to say, even though Indiana is in the midst of making these changes for older adults who qualify for Medicaid and nursing home level of care, the AAAs are there to serve people whether they, they do not need to be qualifying for Medicaid in order to get the services from the area agencies on aging. The area agencies on aging are there to serve everyone. They were that they, they come out of the Older Americans Act. That is federal legislation. So uh, the area agencies are here. They're going to be here because they are. They are, were developed out of federal legislation, and uh, the state of Indiana. The changes they are making with people who qualify for Medicaid will be um, that that will be a diff little different than it will be. I mean, the area agencies are there for all older people. And so so they were they are. That's why I made the point they were established by federal law, the Older Americans Act. So that that is different. And why this is all interrelated, um, the area agencies are there and play a very significant role. And I this is very innovative. Um, to see how you have been able to bring them in to primary care clinics and and the shared space. Um, our partners really, you know, our partners 
are very dedicated to to working through this model. And I think it it, it takes that idea of being able to co-create together because there's no one person really driving the bus. It's really um, mutually beneficial. And I think um, we've looked at it that way from the get go. So it's it's. Um, you know, it's of course when you bring organizations together, you have challenges because of policy and organizational structure, and that's just that's just part of. And when you try new things, you're going to have that. But um, by and large, we 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 hope we're continuing to, um, you know, meet the mission of our GWEP, which is to improve the lives of older adults in our community, and um, we think there's more work to be done in this shared space. So we're. One of the um, efforts in our GWEP, like all the other GWEPs around the country, is to look at how we're integrating, how we're building age-friendly healthcare systems. And so as we think about um, our GWEP here in Southwest Indiana out of USI and the work that we're doing uh, collaboratively with Deaconess Health Systems and our AAAs, we're, we've got our eye on that idea of building age-friendly health systems in our primary care environment. So we're looking specifically at the resources that connect with what matters to individuals and medication and mentation and mobility. Those are the four M's that we all know and, and some of us have worked close, more closely with the Institute of Healthcare Improvement in our work with with developing age-friendly uh, healthcare system and, and age-friendly communities in general. Um, so I think as as we've we've grown together um, the 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 primary care locations and the clinics and the AAAs, we've grown together to learn more about the age-friendly initiatives and integrating those four M's with um, with the patients that that come to the clinics, as well as with the patients slash clients that see our care managers. This is Joanne as part of the Living Longer, Living Better guide that the Commission on Aging has, um, has brought together. We have two aims in it, and one is to help local communities themselves uh, bring more age and dementia friendly initiatives, as I said, like taking a look at their zoning issues because we're going to have uh, more families probably having an older relative moving in with them. We're going to have to look at some zoning changes in some communities that would make intergenerational housing with accessory dwelling units more available. We have to look at walkability in communities. We have to look at affordable senior housing. We have to look at a number of things in communities. But we also are interested in the health care providers serving those local communities becoming more age and dementia friendly. So by working together collaboratively, it is way overdue time for healthcare entities to be working in collaboration with area agencies on aging. It is well overdue, and I am encouraging all healthcare entities to make this a priority because it, as Kristen alluded to earlier, about 80% of the outcomes are not due to exactly what's going on inside the primary care office or the hospital, but due to what's happening out in the community. 
And uh, the more we pay attention to social determinants of health, those things that I just said, zoning, transportation, affordable housing, uh, accessibility to nutritious food and so forth, uh, and, and, and to education about, about some of these issues. I mean, you brought up some really innovative educational possibilities for older adults and their families that are now available um, somewhat through distance learning and, and, and sometimes because we have an actual person embedded in the, in the primary care office that will, will bring information right to families immediately. And probably we need to think about getting this more in our hospital systems too. And uh, we have to work somewhat with, with what's going on with Medicare uh, uh, and, and get a little more creative in what we're doing is in billing and financing some of this. So the AAAs are paid by Medicare for some of the things that they're doing. So I'm hoping that the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services will be looking at some of those things too, so that we can get, if we can get some of the finances a little bit better aligned, it will certainly help the area agencies on aging and the um, healthcare entities uh, work together better. When we did this legislation in 1965, we had we had different silos that some of this went into, and it's it's made working together a little more difficult. But we now know, because of clinic of outcomes, that we must work together, and we have to find some ways to do that. This has been very exciting today to hear about work that's being done across the state, and. Uh, Let's just work together. It's the hope of the Indiana Commission on Aging through this guide. We're very uh, uh, grateful to QSource for making these podcasts available. These podcasts are available that there can be links to any organizations. Please access these uh, these podcasts. Let's get the information out both to our healthcare providers, our in our aging services network, out in local communities. Uh, the better people understand this, the better it will be. We want people to walk into their primary care offices, and if they've got questions, we want them to start asking their providers, how can we, is there a way that you might be able to bring uh, a AAA care manager in here so we can have, have this discussion? As I said, this is separate from what may be going on with managed care in the state. The AAAs are here. They're here because of, of federal legislation. They can be embedded into primary care practices um, across the state. There's no, there's, and into emergency departments in the hospitals. This can be done. We need a little bit more um, innovative work done with, with uh, centers for Medicare and Medicaid services to make this, these, uh, the billing a little, little better with it. But the AAAs are really providing services that we need across our our entire population. So um, let's let's put the word out for how they can help. It will help the outcomes for healthcare. It will help the outcomes for healthcare. We're, we we can do this. We can make some of these changes. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves in our local communities and get going on this and help people through this because I think. Families are going to panic a bit 
when there is um, when when they they may have to be thinking about assuming more of the responsibilities for care of, of their loved ones. But we can do this, but it'll be better if we work together and we have some resources and and so forth. But we need to learn how to use them better. Well, thank you to everyone for uh, Kristen and, and Katie for coming on this with us and to QSource and uh, Let's just keep working together here in Indiana. We, we've, we've got work to do and we can do this. And uh, so I'm looking forward to not only having uh, primary care practices integrate behavioral health, I also am looking forward to having us become more age friendly in those practices and work much more collaboratively with our area agencies on aging. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Joanne. QSource is very, very excited to have had you. We want to welcome you back anytime. Um, we've appreciated all your guidance and direction with Living Longer, Living Better. And just a reminder to our audience, if you're not familiar uh, with our community coalitions across the state, we have 10 communities that we are actively involved in and we have Dr. Joanne Burke represented in those communities as well as a focus group um, in the Randolph County, Marshall County, um, Tipton County and is it Bartholomew County is the last county? Brown County. Brown County, Brown County. So we've got special projects already started on this. Uh, we encourage our listeners to um, access all of these podcasts that Dr. Joanne has put together with us at www.qsource.org. And we thank you very, very much, all of you, for being with us today. Thank you for joining the conversation. If you found this conversation of interest, we encourage you to join the conversation by visiting us online at qsource.org slash conversation podcast. The conversation was produced by QSource, the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Indiana, under a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Content does not necessarily reflect CMS policy.